Dress, the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary and April Callahan. Okay. Cass and I have to be honest that it feels very strange and perhaps even a little trivial right now to be making this show in light of current events. And we want to be completely transparent with you, our listeners, that there was actually quite a lot of discussion about how to respond to what is happening in the world right now on this week's mini-sode. I mean, how do we even talk about fashion at a time like this when and hundreds of thousands of our fellow American citizens are marching in the streets in protest for social justice and reform? Yeah, absolutely. And we've gone back and forth about this. And, you know, April and I are two white women, and we both acknowledge the privilege that comes with that. But we have this global platform, thanks to this podcast, thanks to all of our listeners. And we know that we have this responsibility to speak up and about systemic racism, especially as it relates um, directly to many of the topics we have talked about and will continue to talk about on this show. So the issues we are seeing on blast through these protests really center around systemic racism. So we're talking about racism that is built into our very institutions in the United States. And it's not just institutions or systems that we're hearing a lot about today, like the police force, the prison system, that are complicit in this propagation. But it's also institutions like public and higher education, museums, and the fashion system itself. So this might be surprising to some of you, but the reality is that fashion is in fact very much a part of this conversation. But we've struggled, as April said, with today's episode because is it really us you should be hearing from right now on the complexities inherent to the historic and contemporary intersections of social justice, race, and dress? And we think not. And that is the reason we are so very pleased in this moment when many of us have committed to listening and learning to take the opportunity to highlight some of the incredible work being done by Black scholars, activists, historians, and educators working in the field of fashion studies. Some of their names may already be familiar to you as they may have already joined us on Dressed and others you will get to know very soon as they have already committed to joining us in the coming weeks and months. And we hope that... Any of these scholars who we haven't already agreed to come on the show will also do so. So where would you like to begin, Cass? Because we have a host of books, websites, podcasts, and Instagram feeds to recommend. We sure do. And for anyone wanting to learn more, we recommend one of your very first stops be the Fashion and Race Database, which is run by one of our favorite fashion scholars, Kim Jenkins. And you can find the site at fashionandrace.com. And in Fashion and Race is really a project born out of Kim's work teaching at Parsons in New York City, where she developed coursework. And her coursework explored fashion, history, and theory outside of the Euro white centric narrative, which has really been at the center of fashion fashion studies for far too long. And not only were her students eager for information that reflected many of their own racialized experiences, but she also realized that many academics working in the field of fashion studies simply did not know where to turn when seeking sources on how to decolonize the narratives presented within their own classrooms. And this site is such a gift to us. It's a delight 
from books to blogs to videos and lectures and articles and even exhibition recommendations and reviews, Kim has done a ton of work making all of this information available to the public. In the terms of just books alone, she has more than 75 recommendations for you. I also happen to know that she's working really hard on expanding this platform right now, too. Yes, yes. And I think she just said she's going to, by the end of summer, that it's going to be um, expanded and kind of refreshed. But um, one book in particular on this list that I would like to recommend is by Dr. Tanisha C. Ford, and it's called Liberated Threads, Black Women's Style and the Global Politics of Soul. So just like kind of a little blurb um, from the book, from the civil rights and Black power era of the 1960s through anti-apartheid activism in the 1980s and beyond, Black women have used their clothing, hair, and style not simply as a fashion statement, but as a powerful tool of resistance. So whether using stiletto heels as weapons to protect against police attacks or incorporating African-themed designs into everyday wear, these fashion-forward women celebrated their identities and pushed for equality. And she also just recently published another book entitled Dressed in Dreams, A Black Girl's Love Letter to the Power of Fashion. And I'm very pleased to say that Dr. Ford will be joining us on the show in the upcoming months, so stay tuned. I was also happy to see past dressed guest Monica L. Miller's book, Slaves to Fashion, Black Dandyism, and the Styling of Black Diasporic Identity on the Rec List. And that actually parlays straight into another book that on related subject matter that I would like to recommend, and that is the book Dandy Lion, The Black Dandy and Street Style, which is by Chantrelle P. Lewis. I was actually super fortunate that I happened to grab this book off the library shelf and I brought it home with me anticipating that we might be under quarantine for just a couple weeks, right? Right. <laughs> I was like, okay, I have some extra time and I want to read up on superculture, you know. <laughs> Here we are more than two months later still in quarantine. So needless to say, I've devoured the entire book at this point. Oh, yeah. And for those of our listeners who might not know what a super is, can you briefly explain? Because we are definitely doing an episode on this subculture in the future. Yeah, we've said this like three times already. I know so. we have, but we're <laughs> definitely on, doing it. It's on the list for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, so a super is uh, a member of Le SAP, which is a French acronym for the Société des Ambianceurs et des Personnes Elegantes. So that's S-A-P-E, which translates to Le SAP. And members practice this art form of extreme elegance in dress, manners, and even physical movement. And while a sap style is often associated with Brazzaville, Congo, um, it's really a global phenomenon. If any of you have happened to have seen Solange's music video for her song, Losing You, all of the elegant men in those brightly colored three-piece suits with, with a cane and a cigar, well, they are superb. And I find this whole style really mesmerizing, which is why I grabbed Chantrelle's book. It has sections on style subcultures like the Congolese Sapeur, um, also the Jamaican Rude Boys. And it also focuses on very specific individuals, designers, and photographers who are really living, working, and breathing this contemporary dandy lifestyle. And one of the people that uh, the book has a little little segment about, you just happened to have interviewed recently, Cass, Dandy Wellington. Oh, yeah. Dandy Wellington and I sat down recently to do one of those live Instagram chats. Um, he is definitely the definition of dapper. He's a jazz musician and a band leader in New York City. 
who has the most impeccable style, and it's underscored by this commitment to dressing almost exclusively in early to mid 20th century vintage. So just put that in your head. And obviously I'm going to give you his Instagram handle to check him out, but he's also a self-described style advocate. So his slogan is vintage styles, not vintage values, which is obviously more pertinent than ever today. So you can follow Dandy's sartorial exploits at Dandy, D-A-N-D-Y, Wellington on Instagram, which brings us to some other Instagram follow recommendations at Georgian underscore diaspora, which specifically highlights the fashion history of people of color from around the world and at My Granddaddy's Closet, curated by Danny Dunson. And that is, quote, an archive of historical men's clothing through the lens of Black men globally and modalities of gender performance. And I can't say enough wonderful things about the images that are put forth and the information that's put forth on both of those accounts. And also, while not a fashion history account specifically, at the Pan-African is constantly posting important histories that are often overlooked in traditional historical narratives. So check out those accounts. Yes. And speaking of scholars working in the genre of historical narratives, I'd like to recommend to everyone to check out Cheney McKnight's website and YouTube channel, Not Your Mama's History. Cheney is a living historian who interprets the history of slavery during the 18th and 19th centuries for historic sites and houses around the U.S., And in addition to her work as a public speaker, she also develops educational and even camp programs for school-aged children, which is very cool. And if you cannot make it to one of Cheney's in-person events, she has this amazing YouTube channel where she details the dress and hair care practices of enslaved women during the 18th and 19th centuries. And Cass, she also um, does little bits on historic cooking techniques because she is an accomplished hearth cook. Oh, yeah. She's incredible. And if I'm not mistaken, she'll be joining us on the show soon, right? Yeah, she sure will. Uh, Cheney and Dr. Jonathan Michael Square are going to be joining us on the show very soon uh, for a two-part episode, which focuses on their work on the dress of enslaved persons in America during the 18th and 19th centuries. And Dr. Square's work on the history of Brooks Brothers, I promise, is going to be oh, yeah. extremely <laughs> revelatory. Yeah, because you, of course, are talking about that Brooks Brothers, Mm -hmm. which is one of the oldest continuously operating fashion brands in the United States. So, you know, the more work I do on my PhD, April, I just finished my first year, as many of our listeners know. Congrats. Thank you. (laughs) You know, the more work I do, the more I read. I mean, that's basically all you do is you just read a ton of material. And the more I read, the more I learn about the fashion system's racist colonialist underbelly. And then, of course, it's modern-day incarnations. So that, of course, extends far beyond the shorelines of the United States. Um, Historically, fashion has been used as a tool of colonial conquest, from the pillaging of materials to be used by and profited upon by Euro-American fashion industries, to the fact that fashion will dress itself. So white men and women wearing fashion has repeatedly been used historically and weaponized to create racialized difference between white people and the indigenous or enslaved quote-unquote other. So it's basically this way to separate what is perceived as the civilized white Christian body because your body's covered from head to toe in fashion, because that fashion is modern and that it moves forward, it's constantly changing. You know, they contrast that with the non-white indigenous body, which is perceived as uncivilized because there's less clothing and backwards because they're not participating in fashion that changes and moves forward and progresses. So you see this happening on European and American colonial frontiers all around the world. 
Yeah, and and within the field of fashion studies, oftentimes non-quote-unquote Western dress practices and fashion systems are relegated to this category of world dress. But this in and of itself is actually problematic in the fact that it lumps all non-white cultures into a homogeneous category of otherness, like you just said, Cass. And there are lots of fashion scholars out there like Kimberly Jenkins who are actively working on dismantling these Euro-American fashion narratives that consistently center white people at the center of the narrative and, and narrowly define fashion exclusively within these parameters of Europe and America. But in, in reality, we know fashion is a global phenomenon. And this is something that Linda Welters and Abby Lilithun talk about extensively in their book, Fashion History, A Global View. Moving into today, the fashion industry continues to be complicit in propagating racist systems of exclusion and exploitation. So for instance, fashion history, Danielle Luna became the first black model to appear on the cover of British Vogue, and that was in 1966. Beverly Johnson, first black model on the cover of American Vogue. Black models, including Pat Cleveland, took center stage at the infamous Battle of Versailles in France. Battle of Versailles put American fashion and black models on the international fashion map. But despite these many progressions made in the 60s, the 70s, the fashion industry to this very day is struggling with model diversity on the runway. For instance, in 2018, Anakiai became only the second black model to open a Prada runway show ever. And that was over 20 years after Naomi Campbell became the first. Yeah. And things like this are the reason why Kim Jenkins has been working directly with luxury brands like Gucci to discuss long-term structural changes that address systemic racist practices and include issues of rampant cultural appropriation and even very specific instances of the use of blackface, which of course Gucci and Prada both recently had to course correct producing blackface products. And it is 2020, just saying, Kim's also not alone in these efforts. No, um, actually, Henrietta Galena and Jason Campbell just put out, I think it was Wednesday of this week, so yesterday, an op-ed in the business of fashion entitled Fashion is Part of the Race Problem. And just a little snippet out of that, they write, quote, only with Black people in leadership roles can we start to do the hard and necessary work to dismantle and rebuild fashion's racist system and our collective and more egalitarian image. And then they go on to say, Black people themselves need equitable representation at the heart of a fashion's power structure so that key topics that impact Black lives can be a permanent feature of the fashion industry's agenda. And Glena and Campbell actually um, are the creators and hosts of the Fashion and Culture podcast, Conversations. And their most recent interview is actually a candid conversation with the business of fashion editor and chief and CEO Imran Ahmed about race and the fashion industry. Also, well, the current protests that are happening around the world center around the Black Lives Matter movement, there are arguably aspects of these narratives on dress and race that find comparison and dialogues also happening within Indigenous communities as well. Please check out the podcast, All My Relations, which is hosted by Dr. Adrienne Keene and photographer Matika Wilbur. They have two particular episodes that we highly recommend, one on Native appropriations and the other on Native fashion. 
So listeners, we just want to say this is not even the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there is so, so much more to be said on this topic of the intersection of dress, fashion, race, and social justice. And there are so, so many more incredible scholars and activists out there who are working really hard to transform fashion and to move it beyond its, um, you know, historically problematic past. So, you know, if this movement shows us anything, it, the one, uh, shows us a lot of things, but one major thing is that we all need to do more. Yes, and that is why April and I are committing to doing our part as fashion scholars to decenter white Euro-American fashion narratives. This does not mean we are going to stop all of our episodes on these topics. It just means we are going to work harder to expand the conversation to center non-European fashion stories. So for instance, we have a two-part episode coming up on the history of the kimono and the Japanese fashion system. That's going to be incredible. And then we also are really going to work to continue to pass the mic to these many important scholars, historians, and activists that we've just mentioned. And if you haven't listened to each and every episode of Dressed, or if you're new you know, to the podcast, We'd really like to recommend a few that are particularly relevant to today's discussion. So um, last season, we had Dr. Eric Pritchard on um, to talk about the African-American fashion designer, Patrick Kelly. That's an incredible episode. This week, we, of course, have this two-part episode series on um, Black dandyism and with scholar Dr. Monica L. Miller. Robin Gavon, fashion journalist, she was on to talk about her book about the Battle of Versailles, which is the legendary fashion face-off between French and American designers, in which two other past dress guests participated, <laughs> um, which was so cool. I think these are two of our most memorable interviews on the entire show. Absolutely. Our interviews with fashion designer Stephen Burroughs and supermodel Pat Cleveland are not to be missed. Yes. And... I really think that does it for us today, dress listeners. I hope we've given you some good recommendations and some things to think about. If you check out and like the work of these scholars, if you like the work that they're doing, please support them by buying their publications and or donating to their media efforts. I know that Kim takes donations to further the Fashion and Race Database Project. And I'm pretty sure, I believe Cheney has a Patreon page um, which supports her creative content for Not Your Mama's History. Please, everyone, stay safe out there. For images accompanying each week's episode, please follow us on Instagram at dressed underscore podcast. This is also our Twitter handle. We love hearing from you. So if you please would email us at dressed at iheartmedia.com. And as always, special thanks to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio who makes the show possible each and every week. Dress, the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.